0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, how are you doing today? I hope you're having a great week. Okay, today uh, I would like to talk about some basic stuff. What is the purpose of the church? What are the benefits that we gain by investing our time and money into a particular institution? And what are the promises uh, the church's focus uh, on what are we supposed to get after uh, we invest our time and money? Thank you very much for joining me again, and have a great one. Let's go. Okay, so let's start by facing the facts. We as humans are naturally selfish, and we are programmed for immediate gratification and it is for this reason that it will seem that religion is not natural for humans particularly because religion concentrates most of its time on delayed gratification and not in a good way not in a, like getting an education religion is an insurance for the afterlife but the problem is that we don't really know if there is an, if there's an afterlife um what makes and and you know what makes things worse is that even if there is an afterlife, we don't really know what it looks like. What are the laws that is sovereign, who's supposed to be over it. Uh, and, and and these concepts of heaven and hell are not really in the Bible. So these concepts of an afterlife of heaven and hell are based on a preview set of inventions or inspirations from certain people. Uh, The first people that started talking more about heaven and hell uh, was the Catholic Church. Uh, Jesus talks about soul, but soul is not really hell. Uh, It is just kind of like the Greek uh, definition of hell. And so the Catholics had to go about inventing hell, and so they got uh, Dante Alighieri to develop uh, Dante's Inferno in the multiple circles of hell, and where all these bad people were there and they were tormented in many different ways. But Dante Alighieri came, okay, he just came up with all that stuff. <laughs> so he didn't, he was not, he never said that he was inspired by God to try to describe hell. And as he described also heaven, Paradiso. Uh, he just wrote it. He did not have, He did not say that he had an inspiration from God to try to describe what heaven looks like. And also, the concepts of the seven divine degrees of glory that are described in the Mormon uh, canon or the Mormon tradition are also not describe, are not described in the Bible or in the Book of Mormon or anywhere else. They came from the inspiration of Joseph Smith. And Joseph Smith also has a not very reliable track record of what is true divine inspiration and what could be, uh, I don't know. Uh, there were some things that he did in his life that he He was if he were to live today, he would not be very proud of. And so we have to take a lot of the concepts of the Mormon afterlife with a grain of salt. Uh, But Mormon doctrine describes that there is an afterlife in terms of very much of human existence. There are bodies, uh, there are planets, there are multiple wives in some instances, uh, multiple children, uh, genealogical trees assembling. But then if you are awesome, you get your own planet. But then what happens to your family? What happens to your wife? And what happens to your ancestors that you did a lot of baptisms for the dead work for? So there are a little bit of, the, there are some, um, how should we call it, uh, contradictions within the rewards and the overall structure of the Mormon afterlife. And so, and then also, who is to say, that the afterlife, then in the afterlife, we're gonna have these flamey bodies. Uh, our bodies are very short lived. Uh, our lives are very short in compared to the stars or the planets, or comets. You know, we are just here for like a breath, and then we we'll start kind of decaying and eventually dying and so but the seem it but sometimes it seems like it's it is forever because we are we are like programmed for immediate gratification or immediate um, experience and so sometimes we think that what we're experiencing at this particular moment is going to last forever which it doesn't and so but who is to say that that the afterlife has anything to do with fleshy bodies uh the the and, So there may be other ways in which we can experience the afterlife. If there's an afterlife, if there's a spirit, for example, the spirit may endure forever and the bodies don't. And so the spirit has to go somewhere. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, one of the, the degrees of glory and then it comes back to the body. It is very complicated as far as Mormon doctrine. If someone can somehow integrate all of this for me, that would be awesome. Uh, please let me interview you. I would, <laughs> would love to hear from you. And so, then, this insurance policy for a universe that does not, then it may not exist. It can be a waste of someone's time and money. Uh, but then again, religion does not only have to have posthumous benefits. People join the the religion or many other religions for many different reasons. Uh, some people, you know that they're going to have some type of financial or romantic benefit um, in the LDS church, uh, there in the LDS culture. There's a very famous saying that says, flirt to convert. Some men joined the LDS church to uh, find a conservative wife, to form families, and this premise is, uh, is one of the foundational blocks of the LDS faith. The LDS faith is very conservative and it's supposed to be very monogamous, and then the children also are supposed to live within this very conservative type of lifestyle, which sometimes is beneficial for some people and sometimes is not. But in the LDS doctrine, families are eternal, and this also helps increase the number of generational members, which is a lot of the LDS population, and to retain membership throughout uh, throughout uh, throughout the family through family support or family drama as you would like to uh, as you would like to uh, experience it people are also promised that they will uh, see deceased relatives in the afterlife this is part of the purpose of the temples as people do work for the deceased therefore conversion is not exclusive to living people but it's also for dead ones and this gives uh, certain members a great deal of joy Because they see themselves as in charge of bringing generations and generations of relatives into into the gospel, into the LDS faith. But as it is common to much of the Mormon doctrine, this comes with a caveat. That is, uh, these relatives may have nothing to do with any ordinances performed, or who knows, maybe reincarnation is real. And then that specific spirit of that particular relative now it's embodied in another relative that is younger, or maybe there is no afterlife, and you're just wasting your time. Uh, but it's hard to prove any of these any of these things. Uh, and then also there are many different types of Mormons throughout the world. Uh, the LDS Church has made a great effort to try to make everything universal, to try to teach the same. Doctrine to uh, to have the same temple rituals or ritual stories and but there's uh, very conservative members who are married uh, male and female. They have children There are single members There are members that left the church and um, you know there are members that just like to uh, rant on the church even though they may be members or non-members. But they were at once members, but they still have a huge um, coattail to drag. And there should be some kind of um, exorcism. I would like to see it as an exorcism, to be honest. Um, because I had a friend, for example, who told me that when he left the church, he sat at Walmart on Sunday for a couple of hours, hiding his face. Because he was so terrified that if he went to Walmart, somebody in his congregation will see him and will tell his bishop. Now, let me clarify. He, By this time, he had already told the bishop that he will, did not want to be a member of the church anymore. But the trauma that these men had since childhood, that he was not supposed to be on Walmart there on Sunday, it is something that people need to take out of their systems. And If you don't want to be a member of the church, you should be able to integrate with the rest of society normally and not have to feel guilty about it. I don't think that anybody needs to uh, be a member of the church. If you want to be a member of the church, be a member of the church. And if that brings you joy, that's awesome. But if it doesn't, don't make other people feel guilty for not being a member of the church. At least that is my opinion. And so... I'm trying to set, to set up some interviews with uh, some member friends and non-member friends of mine to try to, com- to, to compare life experiences and spiritual experiences that have enriched our lives. And also uh, another reason for doing this is to not to uh, proselytize any religion or any form of thought. My purpose here is try to find value to our experiences and to find a common ground. And try to find some healing, uh, whether you're a member or not a member. Uh, some people have found the heal, healing power of Christ uh, by being a member of the church, and some people have found healing by taking themselves away from the obvious church and finding something else. And also, uh, another way for doing this is to learn how to protect and, and love each other, love one another, whether you're a member or not a member. Uh, it is very important for us to be able to really love one another. And that really means protecting and making each other feel important. And just value everyone for who they truly are and not for who we're trying them to become. And just try to be happy with yourself whether you're a member of the church or you're not a member of the church, the point here is to find your true self and try to try to try to, try to be happy and try let others be happy as well and for a community where where there's communication and there's love and that is my that's going to be hopefully my objective here and this has, has absolutely everything to do with mysticism. Mysticism it is a, an art in which we're trying to put things together to make them make sense. That is all what mysticism is. It's uh, find, for example, astrological patterns that will be able to tell you how to live happier lives. Sometimes you can find it in Tarot. Tarot will tell you, it's like, oh, if I, if I can figure out my future, therefore I can prevent myself from pain. This is exactly the same thing, but we're trying to do it from a personal point of view. I think that everybody has their their the their 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 value and it has their own philosophical worth and we all need to be able to assess it. And we're able to share it and honor it. I think that uh, that is the best thing that we, we can do to uh, to maintain happy lives and happy families. And if, if this is one of the edicts of the LDS Church, therefore, I think that is very important for us to be able to analyze this. And that is my meal for, for today. Uh, hopefully, next week I can have a few interviews for you. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, I, you know Every one of you guys that is contributing to this podcast, I appreciate you. Thank you very much and have a great one. Bye bye.